0: Welcome back to another episode of Heart on the Hill. As always, I'm Micah Hart and I'm your host. Now, it's been some time and it's been a few weeks since I've been able to talk to you about the politics of this world. But without further ado, I want to get into this and hear all about this and talk to it to you. So this is an update on a story that I discussed a few weeks back. Um, East Palestine is dealing with the effects of the train derailment still. Now, resident Misty Allison testified to the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation two days ago during the trail derailment derailment hearing, and she said this.
1: Thank you for inviting me to testify. I'm honored to be here, but I wish it was under better circumstances. I'm here to put a face on this disaster. This isn't just a political issue. It is a people issue. Everyone who lives in East Palestine is aware of the trains that pass by, But we've never really thought about them. Now, we can't think about anything else. We will never forget the night the train derailed. I could see a huge fireball from my driveway. It didn't seem real. Little did we know, this was only the beginning. My family chose to evacuate, but many did not. None of us knew exactly what dangers were on that train. We now know that train carried multiple toxic petrochemicals. When authorities conducted a controlled burn, it was like a bomb went off, a bomb containing vinyl chloride, which releases dangerous chemicals. When burned, these chemicals never go away, chemicals such as dioxins, which are not safe at any level, and cause damage that may not show up for years. Two days later, our government told us it was safe to come home. But is it safe? People and animals in my community are sick. The EPA tells us the data is fine, while independent researchers say that there are high levels of carcinogens all around us. Who do we trust? And then there's our mental health. The anxiety is real. My seven-year-old has asked me if he is going to die from living in his own home. What do I tell him? This preventable accident has put a scarlet letter on our town. People don't want to come here. Businesses are struggling. Our home values are plummeting. Even if we wanted to leave, we couldn't. Who would buy our homes?
0: In addition to all of this, according to ABC News, the House and Senate have bills about railway safety, yet the CEO of Norfolk Southern still is not completely committed to supporting specific parts of these acts that have been put forth. And in addition to the pushback by Norfolk Southern CEO, the residents are not seeing as much relief as they could. President Biden has still not visited himself. So this is a interesting story to continue to consider because I feel like it was in the news for such a long time. A few weeks back, and now it's kind of fading a bit to the back, which is what normally happens with stories. But this is such a huge one, and I really want to focus on it because it's people's lives. And we saw that with this testimony. This is people's lives that they are now having to completely upend and deal with all of this because of what happened. And there are not just factors about living there, it's also economic factors they have to deal with now. Well, what if we wanted to sell our house? What if we wanted a different job? What about jobs here? What will the economy look like? Small businesses, things like that. Will people move here? They probably won't, is what this argument is, is that what happens to them? What happens to these residents? Does the government step in? What does the company do? What do people do? And to me, it's very frustrating that President Biden has yet to go. He should have been there right away when he when something happened to your constituents to your people you go you help you do what you can and you say we're here for you we hear you we know that this is going on we are here biden is not doing that he's not he's stayed away and i've talked about this before but it's very angering to me to see that the president is not going because these people deserve something they deserve somebody to go there the From the president. They deserve the president to go there. He is the leader of the land. He should be going there and trying to offer support, at least to visit, at least to talk to residents, hear them out. That's what's supposed to happen. President Trump visited, and he's a former president, and he visited. That means all the much more that President Biden should visit, because he's the current president who has power to do things. And I'm happy that there are bills being put forth about railway safety. There needs to be. But I'm still frustrated that the leader of the land, as I'm going to say, is not going. And these people deserve justice. These people deserve conversations. They deserve to be talked to and listened to. More importantly, listened to, not talked to. They deserve to have conversations, but a lot of it should be done by them. People should go in and listen to them. Listen to their stories. How is this going to affect them? How is it going to affect their mental health? How has it affected their mental health? Give them support. Give them what they need. Because you know what? It's a tough economy for all of us right now. We're being honest with prices going up. I mean, you can't even go to the store now and find a really cheap um, dozen of eggs. It's more money nowadays. And they're now dealing with the economic side of this standpoint of having that and now having this and what are we doing what what's happening where is the support going and there i'm sure there's plenty of support right now but the president really needs to step up and at least visit and do something to make it known that he is trying and he's going to help them and be there for them i don't care if they voted for him or not he is still their president At the end of the day, I don't care who you vote for, who you will vote for, who you have voted for in the past, whatever decisions on politically you've made. At the end of the day, the president is the president of we, the people, not we, the Democrats or we, the Republicans or we, the independents, we, the people of the United States. That's who the president serves and needs to be serving. And I am very upset that he hasn't shown that leadership yet. According to a recent Fox News article, Oregon residents are considering changing their state allegiance. Now, the New York Times originally reported this story discussing the increased spark in secession talks, which would separate the conservative east from the west part of the state. Eleven counties have passed ballot measures on the issue. Fox News reports that the greater Idaho movement seeks to include 13 counties of Oregon into Idaho. Now, the Greater Idaho Movement seeks to lay out its plans and the future goals it has of incorporating these counties into Idaho. Interestingly enough, there is another phase of the plan. The Greater Idaho Movement website says, and I quote, Here is a plan for the rest of our rural Washington. Split Washington into two parts that act as one state in the way that it interfaces with the federal government, but acts as two states in every other way with separate state governments. This idea has been developed by a movement in New York State called New Amsterdam, and quote, "In February, the Idaho House of Representatives passed a bill which supports this. And furthermore, a bill has also been introduced in the Oregon State Senate." Now this is a really interesting piece about changing borders. And I really tried looking at this website and figuring out what's going on, and it's really political is that they don't feel represented. And I think that is an issue we see throughout the country. Look, I live in a very blue state where I'm from. I'm from New England. I mean, it's very blue there. Your coasts are really blue. And that's something I understand I've had to learn through. And I I really honestly, I'm going to be completely honest with you, don't know where I stand on this, really. I want them to be able to have somebody that they're proud of to represent them and feel representative. That's what they should feel. But also, I'm like, why would we change the states? Because then I could be like, oh, what, what if we change the states, too? Like, there's, like, this concern in me that's like, what if this happens? What happens elsewhere, you know? And I'm not set on either way of this. I think that it's just a thing I wanted to bring up to you because it's very interesting. What we're seeing is that they don't feel represented and they want to feel represented. They don't feel like their voice is heard in their state. And that is a concern, too, I think personally that you should feel heard by your representative by your senator by your state authorities you should feel like they you could at least talk to them and express your opinions without them not listening because you vote a certain way and that's what i want to in my state i want my state senator i want my representative i want my governor to be able to listen to people like me who don't agree with aspects of like the governor's policy I want that. I want to have these conversations. I think we should have these conversations. I actually, though, also appreciate living in a state where I'm seeing the power of being in the minority party as well, where we still have strong voices standing up and saying, you know what? That isn't okay. We're going to stand up and fight for our party and our values and the people of the state. And I think that's inspiring as well. So I really don't know where I stand, though, because I feel like you do deserve to be represented as well and feel that. But also my concern, as I said, goes back to, well, what happens after this then? If this happens, then where do things go from here for other states? Would this happen in other states? And I think it's really interesting to see even the in the government's working out agreements and having legislation on this from different states, too, but I think I think we'll to see over time what happens with this. I think it's not just a one year thing. I think it's a multi year thing that we'll see play out, especially with sadly the way politics are going nowadays is it seems to be getting more and more divided every year, which is, you know, heartbreaking and I didn't wanna I wasn't gonna go into this, but I think it's something it's important to bring up is just the nature of politics nowadays is you're on one side or the other and we've kind of made the other side the enemy now believe me I think there are certain things on both sides that you can't compromise on there are certain things that we can't move on as a party that we have to be unwavering in but there's also a lot of things we can compromise are and those are the things I don't think that are getting shown I think that we have an issue at the media level as well and look I'm in the media but I'm willing to call this out as it is the media doesn't show us as much compromise as there is and even within members relationships some of these members have friends on the other side they talk to people there's compromises going on there's discussions i i'm hesitant to say we are divided as we think we are i don't think we are as divided as we think i think we are divided but we are still at the end of the day just proud to be americans and proud to have the rights that we do And that's what should be, is that we can disagree, but we, at the end of the day, are Americans. We have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have these inalienable rights that we are able to live out, and all of us are able to live them out. That's what we should be pushing for. That's what we should all be striving for, whatever party we're from. And while we have disagreements on certain policies, that's at the end of the day what we should talk about and be able to come back to. And also the fact that we're humans. We're all people. We all have our own life experiences and stories that shape us. Well, let's hear them. Let's talk it out. Let's have a conversation. And that kind of, I think, does connect to the story as well, even in that, well, what would happen then afterwards when you have a Democrat West and a conservative east and they switch and like the states completely change how does that change politics does it become a one-party rule in a state what really happens to the state's other party how will that all play out in like a state house type of situation and i think it's something to really 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 consider thinking about is what would be the effects of this in the long run, rather than just, oh, but well, we'll get representation more for ourselves and who we want. There needs to be more consideration, I think. But, you know, as I said, I think it could go either way. I think there are valid arguments on both sides of this specific issue. Now, this is a big one. Time may be ticking for TikTok with a ban on the table. A lot of this debate, according to NBC, has been over whether or not the parent company, which is a Chinese company, poses a threat to the United States' security. Now, a recent CBS poll revealed that of those who knew about TikTok, 56% believed it, passed, it possessed a national security concern, with 22% saying no and another 22 unsure. The poll also shows that a ban has 61% support with older individuals more willing to support a ban rather than young individuals and there's also some interesting lineups between democrats and republicans on this poll um there's this question on government rules in social media and personal data and the should be some democrats 55% republicans 49% big numbers there about middle even And politicians have also made their voices known. Now presidential candidate and former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, released a video about the threat that the app possesses.
1: How would you feel if someone was standing over you, looking at everything on your phone? How would you feel if someone was paying attention to how you think, what you watch, and what you do with your phone? How would you feel if you knew that was the Chinese military? That is TikTok. That's the dangers of TikTok. And not only that, they influence what you see and they try and change your way of thinking on how you see the world. We need to ban TikTok once and for all. Get the Chinese military out of our way. Let's not help an enemy. Ban TikTok today.
0: I think ABC or NBC. NBC had a really interesting take on this and reported on what impacts this would have on a Gen Z, what a ban would essentially do. And it's the gen z, generation z strongly identifies itself with the left there is a rising concern that from gen z progressives and some democrats that a ban would really shut down the hype of going out to vote supporting the democrat thing like that and the article appears to show democrats on both sides of this issue some such as strategist and andrew feldman arguing that there needs to be a balance with morals Nevertheless, Feldman remains confident that Democrats can retain the youth vote because they have the support on all of the other issues. This is a big story that we're dealing with throughout our country right now is TikTok and what threat does China pose through it. And there's a lot of points to break down in this. And I think I'd have to side with Haley on this one is that it poses a huge threat to us. And our national security, I don't think that it's safe for our people to be on it. Now, I I am part of Gen Z. So this is coming from somebody who's in the generation who I had TikTok for a very short amount of time. And then I got rid of it. And I got rid of it for more than just, you know, this security threat. But also, you know, social media hurts our children in so many ways. It's mean and hurtful. And people can be mean online. People are mean in person. People are mean online. When they can hide behind a phone or computer and not be seen, they're a lot meaner sometimes. And for me, that was part of my reason to get rid of it. But my concern also goes into this security threat. I mean, we need to remain a strong and independent nation. We cannot let our info be taken by China like it is being taken, as is pointed out. We need to ensure that things are not taken from our people. That their locations aren't tracked. That things are protected. Our people need to be protected. And you know, I I sometimes I'm like, oh, would a ban be the best thing though? Like, shouldn't people be allowed to have the app if they want it? But I'm like, there's a point where the that there needs to be an intervention to say we're protecting the people from this because this is not okay and how it's being run It's not okay and there are issues with the app. And I listened to a lot of this hearing. And there are, as I listened, I was growing more concerned about it and how it's being operated and what's on the app. The specific contents of the app do concern me as well and how certain things are taken down and certain certain things aren't. I think there is a lot of concern there. But I think it would be interesting also to watch Gen Z and how voting deals with it. I don't think there would be much change, honestly. I think Gen Z would still stay where it is and still vote the way it does whether or not TikTok is banned, I think, very stuck in their ways right now, especially with certain issues. I think a big issue is abortion. And I think that, especially with um, Dobbs recently coming out this past summer, that was a big thing for Gen Z, I think. It was very formable for my generation. And it's interesting it for me to be able to sit here and talk to you about this from a Christian conservative perspective, somebody who, you know, doesn't align with his generation as much. I, I don't, I don't fall into this. I don't vote Democrat. I don't support these initiatives. I don't support a lot of things like that my generation is supporting and pushing for. And it's hard sometimes. And, you know, it's interesting to see that TikTok has played such a role in the lives of some progressive activists, some Democrats' lives, and there's a frustration about banning it. For me, I I never got my values from social media or really used it as the only thing on my social media platform. I keep my values very near and dear to my heart, and I talk about them, and I'll post once in a while. Maybe on Twitter I post more, (laughs) but... It's something also personal to me and it's not going to change whether I have an app or not. I I vote because that's my values. Those are what my heart and my head know are right. What I believe is the right way to govern this country, to operate and to live how I think this country should live and was meant to be according to our founders and um, the values for which this country stands and my religious views as well. So it will be interesting to see the effect that a lot of this has on voting, and I think we'll see that definitely start to show up um, over the next few years with Generation Z as they begin to vote more and more. (music) Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Heart on the Hill. As always, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you about the politics of our day. There's a lot going on in our world, but it's important that we continue to learn and to have conversations. So don't be afraid of those. They are great and they are so unique and important and valuable in our nation that sadly seems to be losing them and struggling for them. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Thank you and have a great day. i <music>